Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future in Cork business. Hi there and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, Cork's strength in biopharma and how that has helped an indigenous firm expand into Europe. We talk about how to achieve Zen and a lot more besides. But first of all, we're going to talk about an in-person event, one that I attended this week. In fact, I'm standing at it right now, which was Visit Cork, the industry day to promote Cork tourism as it gets going. Seamus Heaney from Pure Cork is with me. Seamus, how are you? Fantastic, Jonathan. It's great. We're in a room, 160 people. Um, you know, this event was to be, in the end of January, was to be virtual, like it was last year and part of the year before. But it's great. We pivoted very quickly. And we said once the restrictions were lifted, we do an in-person event, and that's what we've done, and it's very successful. I, it's just it's lovely to hear noise, isn't it? Just to hear that hubbub in the room of people talking. It's absolutely fantastic, and actually just to see people... I suppose for the last two years, most of us have seen people on a small screen. And to see people in the flesh again is fantastic. Like, And that's it today. Like, And everybody's doing what they should be doing. And that is meeting each other and sharing ideas and collaborating. So. There is an optimism in the room today, isn't there? That, that you know, we are looking ahead to a year in tourism where there will be recovery, where we'll see people flying to Cork, we'll see people coming to Cork and holidaying here and, and living the experience we've been desperate to show for the last two years. Yeah, I suppose the pandemic, if, if anything else in it, has been, for our industry, has been stop, start, stop, start. And, you know, people have lost the will to live with part of it. So anything, and an event like this is fantastic to bring people back together but the optimism, optimism you talk about is very evident in the room because bookings are very strong, uh, conferences are coming back, airlines you've heard are coming back, uh, we've been very well supported by government and there is great outlook out there, you know, and there is great sense of people wanting to get back and back travelling again. Uh, when we look to the year ahead, how much are we talking about visitors coming to Cork and how much are we talking about that domestic market? Is it a good, healthy mix? Because I presume that's what people who are running the tourism sector want. Absolutely. Um, there, as, as you know, there's been a huge focus. Um, we all had to pivot. I suppose our role initially was uh, to give Cork an international focus. And we've had to pivot our plans very quickly and work with Fall Charlotte on delivering a domestic experience. And I think we did that very well. And people, Irish people found places that they didn't even know existed and they were on their doorstep. So our domestic season has been very strong. To be fair, again, in Cork, we led the way when it came to outdoor dining. Um, and that you really helped the city and the county over the last two years. But to answer your question in a direct manner, like I do believe talking to the Tourism Ireland market offices, there is a pent-up demand and people are back travelling again. But restrictions are different than every country in the world. And that's where the COVID has not gone away. Uh, there are different restrictions in different places. And until I think all that has lifted, you'll see um, international business be much stronger. But to be fair, Tourism Ireland, like all ourselves, kept the lights on for the last two years internationally. And that has been very important. And the results will show throughout this year. There are multiple challenges, though. Nothing like we faced, but there are things on the horizon that have you concerned. Yeah, there's, we all know there's, there's staff crisis out there. Um, a lot of the, I suppose, the people that worked in the industry, because of the start-stop that I spoke about, have gone to different industries and have moved sideways. And uh, they're not going to come back because I suppose they're worried that something else will happen and they may not have jobs again in the morning. But that's one of the challenges. And I do, and I suppose I'm very strong in the cost of living and the cost of 
businesses doing business, then hotel rates become so expensive that they're out of people's reach. And, you know, I was just collecting a takeaway the other night and I heard somebody saying, sure, you couldn't holiday in Ireland, the cost of hotels. But equally for the hotels, the cost of doing business is astronomical. So it's a domino effect. But the last thing we want to do is become an expensive destination because I think that doesn't do us any good, any of us any good. But, but the thing about but value for money. Yeah, value for money is very important. And hotels get that, don't they? I mean, it's, it's not as if they're going to open up, charge the most they possibly can no. uh, in the hope it'll get them through to next year because they want the visitor to return. Absolutely. And, and I spoke about two things today. I suppose value for money is one of them and about the experience. So they need to get a very good experience when they're here. And then they'll judge whether that is price to perception of value. And they will judge then if that's good value or not. So hoteliers, you're right, they do get it. There's only so much you can charge. And there's only so much you can expand in it, you know. So. Uh, when we're looking at, at the bigger picture, Cork Airport, uh, very positive news today. Lots of airlines, more airlines than we've ever had before flying into Cork. Uh, maybe a different setup to what we had, but the, the, the mood is optimistic that Cork Airport's going to recover, and that must be good news for the tourism sector. Not to mention the ferries coming in as well, because we know that Brittany are going to be increasing services too. Absolutely, yes. Um, First of all, it's great to have it back open and see to see planes in the sky and to see ships and then the water again. But when it comes to Cork Airport, like the management team have been very strong there. They've managed to secure a lot of the the what you call pre-pandemic business. They've a lot of that secured, and maybe different airlines. Like everything is going to come back after the pandemic. It will all come back, but it'll come back a little bit different. And there'll be no difference to the airline business. They were seriously wounded in, and, and there were serious casualties in the pandemic, both the airlines and the airports. But I do believe the team at Cork Airport are working very strong and we work very well together with them to make sure that we can get route support. The other part of your business, if I call it a business, the supports that you have in place are, is the Cork Convention Bureau. Um, Conventions will come back. I mean, we, we, we heard from the Taoiseach at this event about the convention centre. Fingers crossed that's going to start. But your focus in the meantime is on smaller conferences, getting the ones that were due to come in 2020 and 2021 to get them back on board. How, how receptive are they to, to Cork as a venue? You know, a lot of them have been extremely patient. We're very fortunate to have some great institutions like University College Cork, uh, the University Hospital, uh, the MTU now. And we have some ambassadors within those that are willing to put their heads above the parapet and go out and bid for international conferences. So we've kept the lines of communication open, all of those. I suppose our mantra during it was postpone but don't cancel. The easiest thing in the world was to cancel it. Strike of dependence gone. It's gone to another destination. So we encourage people to try and keep it going and to keep postponing until restrictions had lifted. Um, now that we are at that stage... We have €7 million Euro worth of business in the pipeline, which is no small feat. That was pre-pandemic. Some of that business was pre-pandemic. But some of the stuff we bid for just before Christmas has been secured. And again, people are willing to change dates. So we're very optimistic when it comes to business tourism. However, it's a longer return. It takes a couple of years. A conference doesn't, you know, is not just booked today and it happens tomorrow. You can do that with a wedding, but you can't do that with a conference. But unfortunately, they're two or three years out in planning. But, you know, I think we're, we're all seeing all the right signs. Uh, it, it's great to hear so much positivity after a period of so much uncertainty. Uh, we've covered it for two years on the podcast of companies doing different things, but now they're doing the thing that they wanted to do in the first place. And that's really good. And, and after two years of quiet, studio-based podcasts, Seamus Heaney, can I just say, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you in real life. Thank you, Jonathan, and thank you for today. Thank you. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.
Another car company in the news announcing an expansion recently were Milestone Solutions. They are creating 80 new roles and beginning operations on the European continent. Milestone Solutions uh, Chief Executive and Founder Will Wilmot is with me as well as Peter Davis who is the MD. Gentlemen, you are very welcome to Red Business. How are you? Hey, Jonathan. How are you? Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, It's good to talk to you. Will, first of all, you founded the company. You might tell me what you do. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, so uh, at at my very heart, I'm an engineer, first and foremost. Uh, So I'm an automation engineer by trade, and I've been in the industry for too many years uh, to say. Um, I worked in the industry, um, worked through various projects and in, in automation and manufacturing, and in 2008, then I uh, I broke out on my own and started Milestone Solutions. Um, and yeah, from from there on, we've been offering automation and IT services to manufacturing companies uh, here in Ireland, uh, in Europe, and in the as far as the US as well. So it's been it's been a fantastic journey for yep. Milestone, and really looking forward to the future. What what I find interesting about what you do is that you you take that experience that you you garnered in the industry and then you apply it kind of universally to all of the businesses who are looking to automate. And I'm guessing that the the race to automation means that you're busy. Exactly, extremely busy. Um, technology and like the term automation has been around for, let's say, when I started over twenty years ago, uh, the automation engineer. Uh, job title was was relatively new so we've had automation in manufacturing for a very very long time but what you're seeing now is that the as you say the race uh driving efficiencies technology has changed in in manufacturing incredibly um you know everything is becoming more it you can see it even in a consumer goods uh in your own home the automation that's uh that's coming and that you're you're seeing that in manufacturing um uh, manufacturing companies so the drive to make uh, the manufacturing process more efficient uh, is is high it's uh, it's you know it's from our perspective um, keeping ahead of technology uh, delivering new technology uh, to our clients is 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 what keeps us in business basically mm. yeah well the, the one thing I suppose Peter Davis is that that march towards technology is going to continue and how useful is the Irish experience when it comes to European plants uh, doing that kind of expansion yeah Jonathan uh, it, it, it's huge um, I mean I suppose from from the way we look at it, uh, the world has gotten very small. Um, a lot of our customers are now trying to, I suppose, look at their approach globally and try to harmonize that approach um, more and more as we go into the future. So um, we're lucky enough in this country to have fantastic workforce, fantastic education uh, behind our workforce. And also Irish people in general, we're, we're natural travelers. I would say. So um, we're not afraid of hard work. We're not afraid to travel. And I suppose, uh, you know, we've seen that develop, particularly in the European market over the last few few years, where um, a lot of young engineers um, and even, I suppose, mature engineers as well are seeing the value in going to foreign projects in Europe, uh, getting diverse type experience working with different cultures um and it's worked really really well so um 
you know, it, markets really busy. And I suppose we see this expansion as a natural progression for an already successful uh, road that we've been on here in Ireland. So uh, it's uh, it's looking looking forward to the future. Mm. And, and th- that quality Irish experience, how useful is that? I mean, we all like to think that the Irish are great. Uh, it's, it's something we, try, <laughs> we dine out on on a regular basis. But what particular set of skills does Milestone Solutions bring to the continent that mightn't be available there otherwise? I think I think it's that uh, it's that global reach, local focus. What I mean by that is um, obviously it's just the the specialist areas that we we bring as a business, but it's our people as well. The two go hand in hand. Um, you know, we our people not only are very strong technically, but it's it's their character as well. I would say Irish people have very good character to be able to almost diversify themselves into getting on with with most different cultures um within different areas of experience so um there is that strong arm that ireland offers into your mm. um, um well and, and and there's something clearly that that is being exploited to our benefit but will if we're to look at the sector that we have here so we've got a lot of pharma a lot of food we've been very successful here in the southern region in attracting that type of business you're, you're looking at the next generation the automation the change that is brought in does that worry you about uh, what might happen to all of the existing business that's here if, if the classic fear if we automate we're going to lose jobs we're going to mm-hmm. lose out somewhere yeah. along the way do you have that fear um for for the existing sector yeah, I, it's a great question. So the, the 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 biggest thing that is happening, regardless of whether we're automating or not, is change is happening anyway. Um, so companies, global economies, God, we've seen it over the last two years how 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 much we've changed. So change change will happen in 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 every facet of life. I think in in the 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 fear of the robots are going to come and get us or the robots are going to take all our I'm jobs. terrified they're going to get a robot who will do this better than I will, which wouldn't be hard. <laughs> I don't know about that, Jonathan. The, the, um, so, look, it, 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 it's a concern. And I think, I think in Ireland now with our workforce, so, I mean, if the fear is, um, uh, you know, my job is going to be taken by, uh, by some automation, uh, the you know I think we've gone through the, that wave if we want to use that term uh, in terms of the the lower skilled jobs the jobs that haven't been automated have gone offshore you know um, they, they they have gone out to uh, to the Middle East uh, and Asia in terms of in terms of the lower level um, uh, very manual uh, non automated non automatable jobs sorry um, I think what we have now though is that we have operators and people who are operating the plants and manufacturing let's say in clients we have like life science uh food and bev i mean these guys are are very skilled people um and they're you know they're embracing the technology as well um it's it's uh automation is a a a stepping stone as well to Mm. for people to progress in their careers um, I th- so I think the 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 old adage of there, you know, that we're going to lose. I think uh, our experience is that a, a lot of 
operations are embracing that change. They, yeah. they, they understand it. Yeah, and, and turn it to the advantage uh, as well of those facilities, no doubt. We'll actually be talking about this with IBEC a little later in the podcast. But for now, Peter Davies and Will Wilmot uh, of Milestone Solutions, thanks so much for joining us. What's the website, Will, for people who might be interested in one of those new roles you're after announcing? Absolutely, Jonathan. Our website is www.mile.ie and we'd recommend any uh, college uh, college goer, uh, even a secondary school student, um, existing engineers that are interested in a very exciting career in automation, uh, please do reach out to us. Uh, we'd be glad to have a discussion with anybody who's interested. Well, Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Thanks Jonathan. Cheers. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Now, my next guest has launched yoga classes, especially for children who are living with ASD and Down syndrome and ADHD. It is a wonderful new project called Zen with Jen. Jennifer Ormond, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Jonathan. How are you keeping? I'm good. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Zen with Jen. We all want to be Zen, Jen. I'm not going to tell you anything other than the truth. (laughs) Uh, So how did you start this business? Where did the idea come from? So the idea really, Jonathan, I've been um, I've been working obviously as a class teacher in an ASD unit here in Cork. So I'm actually working in the Shine Centre for Autism. It will be a well-known school here in Carrigaline. So um, I obviously love doing yoga myself and I really kind of wanted to um, just really um, combine my love of yoga and teaching. So about a year ago, I set up my Instagram page um, and obviously it was really for parents and teachers. So just to be able to give them tips on how to work with the children in the classroom, especially kids with autism, ADHD and additional needs, um, sensory play. I would specialize in sensory play and um I, I suppose I would have gained like a wonderful insight when I did my course. So I did a yoga course about three years ago um, with Yoga Therapy Ireland. And um, that was specifically, again, it's yoga for kids with autism and ADHD. So um, I did that about three years ago in Dublin um, up in the Marino, Marino Institute. And um, I suppose then last year, as I said, we were in a lockdown. I kind of wanted to do something different. So I started my Instagram page. OK. And, and so another business that has been born out of an Instagram page, identifying a need that was out there. So when you started talking about yoga, I mean, how did you how did you come to the conclusion that yoga helped the people who are living with those conditions that I mentioned earlier on, particularly younger kids? Well, I suppose, look, I'm, I'm working in early intervention. So the kids I work with would be aged three to five. I'm also a home tutor and I work with other families in Cork with kids with autism. So I suppose I would have al- already done a lot of sensory work with those kids. You'd have kids, you know, that would be very hyper. They might be able to regulate, when I mean by regulate, to calm themselves down. So I suppose incorporating yoga and mindfulness, breathing exercises into their daily routine has just been absolutely brilliant like I find it works you know as I said I've been working now in the unit for about five years now so I would have gained a lot of my experience we also have an in-house OT so we would have been given you know occupational therapy programs to run with the kids and again I just feel it's great to be able to incorporate the yoga into that um, daily it just sets the kids up for the day and I can see you know 
these kids are traveling from all over Cork down to Austin Carrigaline in the unit. So when they're, you know, in a car, they're stuck in traffic, they can start to get a little bit upset. They can start to get a little bit excited. So the minute we, I do the handover with the parents, we're straight into the class. I have a lovely room. My classroom's always set up um, with a lovely sensory light. I'd have my soft music playing in the background. I'd have a selection of sensory toys, things that the children like. And again, I suppose, Jonathan, each child is quite different. So I have four kids in my unit at the moment and each one is individual. Every day is different. What works for some may yeah. not work for others but um i really do think each of them they they do seem to enjoy the yoga the well, relaxation I, I, and of course the the different breathing techniques i'm kind of camera listening to you already as you outline how, <laughs> how how it works for the kids but um this is something that you're doing you are a teacher and you're doing this as well but you realize that there's probably other families out there other children who would benefit from this which is why you set up the business how, how has it been received Oh, absolutely. Amazingly. I mean, I've been inundated with messages. Um, I suppose people uh, can contact me through my Instagram account, um, my Zen with Jen 87. You know, as I said, originally, when I first set that up, it was, you know, my audience was really for parents or teachers, primary teachers, special education and early years education. So I suppose that would be my main audience just to give parents tips and how to, you know, help their children at home and again you know I suppose I would encourage yoga to be done it doesn't have to be done daily it can be yeah. done as a nighttime routine just to settle the child but um, yeah it's really taken off I must say in the past couple of weeks but I suppose um, that social media you know there's a lot of sharing and reposting and things like that and there is lovely engagement as well as I said just with um, with other teachers well, and things like that and you do get lovely ideas from from the different pages and vice versa you know I've, I've had lovely comments from other teacher saying we love your content we love what you do where do you get this where do you get that so there is a lot of engagement and I do enjoy that side of things yeah, well, I suppose it's, at it's, the moment it's better sorry than some, yeah. yeah it's better than some of the other stuff on Instagram I can tell you you're, you're, you're filling the timeline with good things um you're going to take, you're going to run a couple of classes and I think they're, they're in Kinsale starting in mid, mid-February is that right that's right, Jonathan. Yes. So I suppose um, as I'm working in Cargilline, I wanted to kind of find an area where I think, um, you know, I could cater to a lot of the children in the surrounding area. So I, I decided on Kinsale and I, I went to view a room and I was very happy with it. So I'm going to be located in the Health and Wellness Centre in Kinsale in the middle of town. So at the moment, I'm actually booked up for the month of February into March, obviously. I'm offering four week sessions at a time. Um, each slot will be 30 minutes one-to-one um, and again I suppose the room will be set up in a lovely environment I'll have lots of sensory toys I'll have different therapy objects like the therapy ball weighted blanket and um, so again depending on each child um, I kind of have a good insight already into the children that I have lined up, which is great. So um, I'm really looking forward. I'm okay. starting now on Monday the 14th. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. All of the details are on that aforementioned Instagram page, zen underscore with underscore Jen 87. Uh, and uh, if you just search for Jennifer Ormond, uh, no doubt she will pop up. Jennifer, we wish you the very best luck. Sounds like a brilliant initiative that lots of kids are going to benefit from. Thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thanks a million. 
Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. So we heard earlier about Milestone's expansion into Europe, which is a really good sign because it shows that Ireland is producing the type of talent that is now in high demand elsewhere in Europe. We're no longer just importing business like that. We're sending it out to the world. Matt Moran is the director of Biopharmachem Ireland, which is uh, an IBEC trade association representing the biopharma sector. Matt, how are you? I'm very well, Jonathan. Thank you very much. The Milestone story is a good one to highlight how Ireland has evolved, isn't it? I think it is, Jonathan, absolutely. Um, the biopharma sector is, is very important for the Irish economy. Um, it's worth around about 96 billion euros in exports and about employs over 40,000 people directly at this stage. It also employs probably another 40,000 indirectly, and I suppose Milestone is a good example of um, how um, companies have been able to um, use the strong sector here to develop themselves. So that's a fantastic story, actually. The fact that Cork has always shone in the biopharma sector and how it has evolved, it started with basic pharmaceutical manufacturing and then it moved into biopharma, biotech. We've moved as the industry has moved and we've kept pace, which is good. We have, actually. Yeah. In fact, it goes right back to the late 1960s. Pfizer were the first company to establish in Cork, in Ringeskiddy, making citric acid, believe it or not, back in the day. And since then, I mean, that facility itself has expanded tremendously. They now have four individual plants there and, in fact, recently announced that they're going to build a development facility at Ringeskiddy, which is incredibly important for that company and for the sector because it, it means that um, new molecules or new products will will come to Cork and be developed there. But you mentioned other companies. We have Janssen Biologics. I think they're going to actually expand again. Another 150 million euros will be invested in a new facility. Another 180 jobs. We have Eli Lilly. We have MSD and Brinney. We even have some companies um, in the contract manufacturing sector. So, for instance, Hovione, Portuguese company, again, are out next to Pfizer in, in, in Lockbeg and um, they announced an 150 million euro investment there recently and will create a further 100 jobs at Ringeskiddy. So it's growing very well. We have Biomarin and a range of different companies who are, um, I think, reflect the evolution of the sector from originally basic pharmaceutical ingredients right through to drug products and now into advanced biotech products. And we're now looking at cell and gene therapy as well in the future. Mm. So the, well, that's the question. Where do we go next and how can we ensure that the, the high levels of employment we have in the sector are maintained in the future? Are, are you mm. confident we can do that because things can change quickly? They can indeed. And um, it's a very competitive world. And these companies compete for investment, especially in the multinational sector where and the investments that Ireland wins, great example recently, Eli Lilly winning that investment in Limerick, not too far from Cork. These are sought after internationally. So it's very important. The sector here stays very competitive and works together to ensure we're best in class. And through Biopharmachem Ireland, part of IBEC, we operate around about 25 different specialist groups, which allows companies to collaborate and make sure that they actually are best in class, that they have the type of talent um, which this industry needs to mm. prosper and survive. And when you speak to those companies, and you get to speak to them on a regular basis at events and things, uh, they will always come back to one thing, which is the quality of the the workforce and, and where that workforce comes from. There's always been great collaboration with the third mm. level sector in the Munster region, in the Cork sector in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, is that collaboration the key to success as we continue to evolve? And, and the universities have to stay on top of their game to make sure that they're teaching mm. the right things. 
Absolutely. That's that's critical, Jonathan. I mean, that collaboration between ourselves and in Cork, um, UCC and what's now um, MTU is vital because we need qualified and um, expert people to work on our industry. We can train them, but they need to have those qualifications in science, technology, engineering and maths or STEM. So working with the universities and the um, Institutes of Technology to ensure that we have the right sort of people is very important. In fact, um, in Biopharmachem Ireland, we have um, a laboratory apprenticeship program, which um, we launched a couple of years ago. And we're delighted that we're, we're now able to um, launch a version of that in, in Cork through MTU. So we're really looking forward to um, expanding that because, that, again, that gives opportunities for people to work in the industry. So as well as employing graduates, we now can take school leavers directly into companies where they can and learn their skills and achieve achieve qualifications, which I think is is, is very important for us and yeah. potentially for those who want to work in the industry. Well, we, we, we're hearing a lot about positivity today, Matt. The tourism sector is really, really buoyant. We heard about mm-hmm. an expansion. I, I, there is a sense out there. I know there's other challenges, there's other pressures. Um, Cork has weathered all of the previous economic storms better than others because of the biopharma sector uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Do you think that's going to continue? I think it will. Um, employs around about 10,000 in the area. Um, the companies, as I've mentioned, there's many expansions taking place. Um, I think there's huge confidence in the sector. Um, this is borne out by um, some of the comments we hear from those who work internationally in, d- in the industry. I think it's worth, it's, it's worth reflecting also that um, most of these plants are led by, um, by Irish people. They're led locally. And I think that's a great testimony to, I suppose, our own skills and our own talent and even if you look to how some of the companies develop, we see um, Irish people, we see Cork people featuring significantly within mm. the, 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 you know, the multinational, the corporate network within these companies, well, which is very important. It's very important, Matt. You need Cork people everywhere because we are the very best at what we do, uh, he said with <laughs> an, arrogance, an arrogant swagger. Uh, Matt Moore, <laughs> Director of Biopharmachem Ireland. Thank you so much for joining us on Red Business, Matt. Thank you too, Jonathan. And that is it from this particular episode. Thanks to Kira McDonough who produced. Don't forget our new video series, Red Business in Focus, is available right now on redfm.ie. That's it. We'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.